98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station and the home of the Suns. Home of the Suns. We're checking in with Suns nerd Kellen Olsen on the rundown. All right, Luke Lipinski back here with you. The Phoenix Suns are 7-4 and four this season back home after a short but kind of rough road trip through Detroit, Indiana, and Washington. Joining us now in the Culture Automotive Group Sports Line is our own Kellen Olson. Kellen, how are you doing? How are you holding up here over the last uh, three games? I'm good over the last three games. It's been the last three days of the NBA that is worried more, if you get what I'm saying. Luke. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's. I guess let's start there. I mean, that is actually probably the yeah. more pressing issue at this point. You know, no, no word that the Suns game has has been affected at all by any means tomorrow. But I mean, how worried are you that 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 we may hear something tomorrow? So to that point, the Suns just released their updated injury report for tomorrow's game. Not even updated, just the injury report for tomorrow's game. It's the same as it was the game before. Campaign's doubtful because of an ankle sprain. Jalen Smith is out due to health and safety protocols. So no additional names on the injury report since the Washington game. Players get tested once to twice a day. Um, so that's good news. But at, at the same point, at the end of the day, um, as we've seen, the problem right now, or one of the many problems right now that they're facing is that when there's a potential exposure and things like that, uh, these guys are playing a game or two or a day or two after they've potentially been exposed. And we know that the accuracy of tests isn't exactly hundred percent and then goes down the closer you are to the exposure. So some of these guys that have wound up like playing a game and then, and then actually tested positive because they, they did get tested the day before, but it didn't show it was positive when it was positive because those tests aren't as accurate as they will be. That, that's what the experts say is that five to seven days from exposure is the most accurate uh, section you can really get at. So I, I, that's my way of saying the, the Suns didn't have anyone show up on the health and safety protocols list yet. Um, but they still could. It doesn't fully eliminate the possibility just because they went through a round of testing and it all showed up good for now. It's it's not over yet, which has been that's been really the problem we've seen the past couple of days. I think. Yeah, it's it, it is. It's frustrating, and, and you know, it's it's nobody's fault, but it is kind of like you can't at the moment feel too confident that any of these games are getting played. Because the other thing, I guess that that you have to look at is you know if you don't want anybody to test positive but if somebody does it's it's not just that guy right I mean the contact tracing could wipe out another four or five guys just in terms of being able to put a team on the floor yeah that's the that's the best point to make on this whole thing Luke if if I'm being honest because right now there are only I want to say uh the Associated Press story today uh, prior to Tuesday's injury reports coming out have 36 players right now listed out due to health and safety protocols but under a dozen of those, I'm, I'm guessing, are, are positive tests. It's, it's somewhere around there. We've heard about a couple like Jason Tatum. Uh, there are four on the Mavericks right now. But it has more to do with the fact that they have to do all this contact tracing. Now, the thing that we haven't, the information here, it's difficult to get sometimes. The thing we can't understand from the Wizards' perspective is exactly what's happening because their, their game tomorrow got postponed. They had Rui Hachimura and Mo Wagner added to the health and safety protocols list and were listed as questionable this morning. But now it's gotten to the point where there was so much contact tracing involved that they don't have enough guys for tomorrow already. So that would lead you to assume that someone on their team tested positive and they were exposed to that person. Now, who is it? We don't know yet until someone reports it. And, and because the teams are listing these guys as out on health and safety protocols, if the coach doesn't say it, which is what the Suns have done, then we don't know. Uh, we don't know if Jalen Smith has po- tested positive or if he was just exposed to someone. So we don't know his timeline, really. 
Um, it, it's very messy from that from that standpoint. And the new protocols and 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 bumping those up certainly help today. But it's it's an uphill battle that they're facing right now, and that's after they really rolling down this hill already quite a bit. Uh, talking to Kellen Olson, let's let's go on to the court. Last night kind of felt like a throwback and not necessarily in a good way. I mean, Devin Booker went over 30 points, but the rest of the team kind of didn't contribute at the level they've been contributing at. You know, you, you're going to have some losses that you don't like over the course of the season. I would say last night and Friday certainly fall into that category. Right, yeah, it's it's a troubling trend right now for the team just because when you looked at last year's team, part of what made it so successful was that they had one of the best starting backcourts in the league when it came to their net rating when they were on the court together. Uh, Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker, they outscored teams by over seven points per 100 possessions, and there were only about three or four backcourts that qualified, and one of them was like Milwaukee went with those Giannis lineups, so that doesn't even really count. Um, they were awesome, and, and the problem with this team thus far is that the bench is destroying teams, and Devin Booker himself, after the loss last night, said that our bench has carried us in a lot of those wins, and you look at the numbers, and they are very startling uh, in terms of how much better the bench is doing than the starting group right now, and the that is not how this team was supposed to go, really. I know we talked a lot about depth coming into the season and everything, but that didn't mean that the starters weren't going to be like the best players on the team. We expected Chris Paul and Devin Booker to kind of carry the load for this team, and it's really been the opposite. The The campaign, Dario Saric, um, Cam Johnson minutes have been really important, and when we were talking about it on the Empire of the Suns podcast today, the point that I kind of brought up is that like the short-term fix right now is just for the starters to kind of be okay until that group comes in and those guys really change the flow and change the momentum of the game, which is crazy to put that kind of responsibility on a guy like campaign considering where he's come from the past year or so in the uh, career trajectory he's had. But with that being said, that's where they're having the most success right now. And there's just problems within the starting five in terms of flow and continuity and familiarity uh, that that's just really difficult for them to work through it. You want to give them 20, 30 games to the season, but we are 11 games into the season right now, and it doesn't feel like they're making a ton of progress together. You know, Monty Williams sort of hinted that they, they could make some changes here going forward if they had to. What what can he realistically do? I mean, he's the coach. He can do some stuff, but how much do you want to shake things up if you're 7-4? and four? Right. Well, you'll remember when they went through injuries last year and he tried a lot of different stuff. He even started Aaron Baines and DeAndre Ayton together, so I would not put it past him to do something like starting Dario Sarge and DeAndre Ayton together, um, sitting Crowder for uh, for Cam Johnson. I'm, I'm not sure if he would go as far as sitting DeAndre Ayton for Dario Sarge. Just stylistically, and, and that's kind of the point you're getting at, is that stylistically none of the changes really make sense because Chris Paul, Dev Booker, and Mikel Bridges, they should not leave the starting lineup. If you bring out Jay Crowder for Cam Johnson, you're getting more shooting, which is good. But if you're looking at like off-the-dribble playmaking and just playing in point five and making quick decisions, quick passes, Jay Crowder is a better player in that regard than Cam Johnson. He's also a much better defender. Dario, I don't really know what you gain with the Crowder thing. That's sort of a wash in all those categories where Crowder's better at pretty much everything. And then when you lose DeAndre Ayton in the starting lineup, he is by far their best interior presence when it comes to rebounding and protecting the rim and just being a presence defensively overall. Now, now like as an interior scorer, I, I think that he still has the edge on a guy like Dario, but Dario overall right now is the better offensive player. But you're still losing so much of what you need right now because remember, when you're playing and starting with J- Jay Crowder, you're playing undersized. 
So can you afford to lose more rebounding? I don't really think you can. I don't really think that there's a move to make. I just think this this group has to kind of grind it out, and I do think that a lot of that really does come down to Aiden. I wanted to go through the whole interview without talking about him, but he did not have a good game last night. So I guess I'll just go big picture. What do you feel like they are asking him to do this year? How different is it from what they – the last couple of years it just felt like, okay, DeAndre, you be the second best player on the team. I feel like it's a little more refined than that this year. I don't feel like they're asking him to score as much, but what is your ideal role for him on this team, and, and you know when does he start doing it? I think it's it's more of what they're asking for him out of him right now, which is – not really a bunch of post touches. You're mainly going to be running pick and roll. We're just going to have you rim running a lot, just dive, dive, dive over and over again, and then run up and down the floor when you get the opportunity to. I just see that there is just zero chemistry between him and Chris Paul in the pick and roll right now, and it's 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 problematic. And, and it's to the point now where Aiden, for whatever reason, he has regressed even – maybe even worse than his rookie year in terms of just his decisiveness around the rim and just making decisions. There was that play where he caught it at the top of the key with all that space in the world and took the jumper and hit it. I was upset that he didn't take like two or three dribbles and go to the rim, but a lot of other people were upset that he just kind of stood there and like made a fake handoff move when he didn't have to because there was no one to fake out. There were like multiple problems with it, and it just seems like he's – I hate to like uh, go down to like the mental road, but just like it seems like he's kind of in his own head a little bit, and it's it's very problematic for this team because he is a core part of what they do. And when Chris Paul, it seems like, is trying more than anything else when he's on the court to get him involved, and when you're dealing with that version of him while he's doing that, I think that that can really be what some one of the results is here. I know that Chris Paul isn't playing as well as he should. I know Booker isn't. I know that Mikel is really the only guy that's meeting or exceeding expectations right now. But with that being said, that's like the main issue I see overall. And I think that that will correct itself if DeAndre can just build some chemistry with Chris Paul because, uh, Luke, Chris Paul is like one of the best point point guards and pick-and-roll players of all time. Mm-hmm. If DeAndre just gets to his spots that he's supposed to be, and Chris Paul is going to put the ball exactly where it needs to be and help him score, he's just got to be ready for the ball. There were a couple last night even where he wasn't ready for the pass. It's like you're rolling to the basket with Chris Paul with the ball. you got to expect to have it. Um, it's been strange to watch. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because there are certainly moments early in these games where it does feel like Chris Paul, and I know he's heard it, I'm sure, from the coaching staff and everywhere, hey, you got to get DeAndre Ayton going. It does feel like in, the, in early in these games he's just trying to get DeAndre Ayton going, and it's supposed to be you know, Paul helping Ayton, not Ayton holding Chris Paul back. So um, I have confidence in Chris Paul. I think uh, most of us should after the career he's put together. Kellen, great stuff as always, man. We'll talk to you again down the line. Thanks, Luke.